Welcome to Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing the message today from the Word of God, specifically from the book of Revelation, as I am continuing to do a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation, and it is proving to be quite the challenge, and yet I, I love it. It's a great book. I hope that if you've been listening, that you'll follow along and stay with it. If not, you can go back and pull the previous messages and begin to follow through. I've had several people contact me and say they're using it for Bible studies, and uh, uh, it's it's great because I'm not really using this uh, in sermonic form. Uh, it's really for discussion. It's the way I like to, to do this. It's conversational teaching, and I like to do this even though I don't have you right here in front of me to talk to you or give you a chance to ask questions, but that's the way I like to teach. And so I will uh, begin reading this. Let me give you the text. It's round, found in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, I can't believe where I'm that far into the book, but it's Revelation chapter 12, and it's found in verses 1 through 6. So let me read that for you because it is a tremendous text, but it is a text, I will warn you, causes question, causes confusion. Uh, you would not believe the people through the years as I've gone through some of this. They're just uh, bewildered by this. It's like it's out of context. They say, it does. why does it come after Revelation 11? It, does, it just seems like it, it doesn't even fit in the book of Revelation. So we're going to answer a lot of these questions as we go through. So here's the context. Revelation chapter 12, the Word of God reads, beginning in verse 1. And I saw a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that she gave birth, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Well, at first reading, you might think you might know some of this, but it is a very interesting section. You know, we have finished chapter 11, and chapter 11, I think, is critical in understanding the, the, the really the flow from here on through. If you can understand chapter 11, especially in verse 15, where the seventh angel sounded and there arose loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. When you understand that that is actually happening at this moment, even though there is still a lot left in the book of Revelation, it is, it is, it's a different kind of picture because chronologically, we have come at the end of chapter 11, we've come almost to the end, probably within weeks of the end of the tribulation period. And so uh, that finishes it out when you get through, uh, in fact, when you go from chapter 11, you have to go to chapter 15 and 16 to pick up where this leaves off. And we've just said this in, in, the, in the last time. Ver, uh, chapter 12, 13, and 14 are kind of parenthetical 
or they are a bit of a digression to go back and look at the same area of Revelation again. And so, if you'll just hang with me, I'm going to try to explain this, especially these verses, in light of that. And as we go further into chapter 12, 13, and 14, you'll understand by the time we get to 15 why it it has done this. So, this is a marvelous, rich text that introduces us to what I am calling Satan's Long War Against God. That's the title of this message, Satan's Long War Against God. And it, it, it introduces us to it. Uh, since the fall of Lucifer, the son of the morning, the highest of the angelic hosts, since the day he became Satan the devil, the enemy of God, there has been a constant war going on throughout the universe. It's a very real war. It's not a fake war. It's not something that's just uh, out there as, as like a fairy tale. This is a very real war. And many of the battles, of, of course, have found their way onto the earth. In fact, this great warfare is all about the earth. The earth becomes the featured, I guess, center or the, the place where the battles that make up this war take place. And that means men and women are all engaged on one side or the other. You see, there's two sides here. There's God's and there's the enemy, which is Satan and the devil and unbelievers. And so you, you look at this battle and you think, wow, it's really an incredible place. In fact, men and women since the very beginning of time have all been engaged here. You see, when Satan fell, he dragged one-third of the angels into this warfare with him. And when Satan went into the Garden of Eden and deceived Adam and Eve, he dragged the human race into the war as well. This war, a long war against God, has been going on since Satan's fall and will finally culminate in the end of time when Jesus Christ once and for all and forever defeats Satan and all the demons and, the, and his host of demons, and he casts them into the pit. Of, of hell. You see, this is a, 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 a section that is it's so hard to understand because we don't know much about that war. I mean, if you've been a Bible student through the years, you probably have. But to say this battle began at the very throne of God when Satan rebelled against God, when he was the anointed cherub in heaven, most people don't understand that. They don't, they've never really studied that. I know that as I've taught this a couple of times in, 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 in the church, a Grace Fellowship Church in, in Florida, and even before that in, in, in to it, it, Atlanta and in different places. And I get, I get calls because they say, well, we've never heard that. Are you sure that's in the Bible? And so I tell them, it, well, it is in the Bible. In fact, when Satan rebelled against God as the anointed cherub in heaven, he was probably uh, agreed by many that he was the worship leader of all the heavenly praise. Uh, it then the, it, it then he sent it through and, and passed it from demon to demon to demon or to angel to angel to angel uh, until one-third of all of the angels were in, in cahoots with him. And we'll see this in this passage today. They become known as demons and they were thrown out of heaven for all of their wickedness and they have engaged the holy angels in warfare ever since. And it becomes a very interesting thing to even begin to understand that. So this long war against God has been going on since Satan's fall. And that's before man was created. When man's created in Genesis chapter 3, we see them in the garden after the creation. And we're introduced to Satan's 
deception right there in Genesis chapter 3. So the conflict reaches its, its great climax. And then in the future, in the time called the Great Tribulation, uh, it's going to be uh, revealed there and it will culminate right there. And so this is what we're looking at in, in Revelation chapter 12. It is the time of Great Tribulation, the latter half of the period known as Daniel's 70th week, the time of Jacob's trouble. Satan will uh, he'll engage his greatest efforts against God and against Christ and against believers. He will make his mo- most powerful effort ever to defeat God and to halt his plan or change his plan. There will be war all over the universe like never before or after. Now, we know who's going to win. You know that Jesus Christ is going to win, and we know that from chapter 11, verse 15 that I just read, where the statement and the celebration in heaven because of the seventh trumpet sounding says this, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That is, everything is taken over by Christ. He is the victor. The second woe was passed, the third woe was coming quickly, and the angels sounded, and there arose loud voices, and that's what the celebration is. This is an announcement of the triumph. It's an eternal triumph given to Christ, and it will go on forever and ever. So we know who the victor already is. Now remember, chapter 12, 13, and 14 is a bit of digression. It takes us back all the way to back to creation. We see it here. It's all the way back into eternity in the fall of Lucifer. So that's covering a lot of time span. And then it brings us all the way forward to the time of the Great Tribulation so that we view the Tribulation not only from God's perspective, having seen this in chapter 6 through 11, but now we're going to focus in, in chapter 12, 13, and 14 on Satan's activities. One writer puts it, it's from Satan's perspective, but Satan has no say-so in this. I do not say it's from Satan's perspective. I say it's a list of Satan's activities. We, uh, we've already learned how God's perspective and God's side and judgment and the seals look as they're opened and the judgments of the, the trumpets blast and what's happened there. But now we're going to be taken back through the same period of time. In fact, beyond that, way back to creation, to the fall of Lucifer, and then ultimately come right back to the time of tribulation. And so it becomes a very hard to follow if you're not aware of all this. Uh, Satan is going to be pouring out a maximum amount of fury during the tribulation period. At the same time, God is pouring out a tremendous amount of judgment on the ungodly. Satan is pouring it out on the godly. And so that's a very interesting dynamic that's going on here. And so it's going to be the coming together of all the worst possible and imaginable events from God working and Satan working. By the time we come back through chapter 12, 13, and 14, and we go to chapter 15, where we will pick up the end of the results of the seventh, the seventh trumpet, we will have a full picture of, of what has gone on in the time of the tribulation period leading up to the blowing of the seventh trumpet. So, with that in mind, uh, that is just a general idea of what's taking place here in Revelation chapter 12. And and by no means do I want to exhaust these six verses in covering them today. There's just no way I'm going to be able to do that. 
So when we take a look at this great sweep through the rebellion of Satan, the conflict in the garden, the garden, and all the way to the great tribulation, culminating in the return of Jesus Christ, as this great war comes to an end. What great war? This one that is the long Satan's long war against God is going to end at the end of the tribulation period. Now, you got to understand the arch enemy of God, obviously, is Satan. He's been trying ever since the rebellion to destroy the purposes of God. Satan hates God and does everything he can possibly do to thwart God's purposes. First, he attempted to destroy, uh, I guess, the paradise of heaven and the luxury of heaven uh, as he led a, a group of one-third of the angels in an attempt to destroy uh, and to go against God in heaven. And we, we can read about that, and we, we've gone through that already in, in the book of Revelation. So all this will culminate in the great climactic effort at the time of the great tribulation, uh, and Satan is going to be working furiously through the tribulation period to stop the coming kingdom that God has prepared and promised even to... The, the Jews during this time. So God, Satan is out to destroy this. So Satan's long war against God is coming to consummation right before our very eyes, even as we read this text. Now, the simplest way to understand chapter 12, 13, and 14 is to see them, I guess, around three characters, three main characters. And this, this is very, very much a drama. Uh, there are a number of main characters that play an important part. In fact, there are several that we're going to cover. But these, this, this section covers, uh, let, let me just give them to you. Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 12 of Revelation. There are great, there, and a great sign appeared in, in heaven, a woman. There's the first character, a woman. And verse 2, and she was with child, and she cried out being in labor and gave birth. So there's a child. And then verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. You see that? Uh, and then later on, we're going to be introduced to Michael, and then the beast from the sea, and the beast from the earth, and those will be in, in 13 and 14. But for here, this section, we've got the, the woman, a male child, and a dragon. Well, you've got to be able to, to see who these are. Now, many people think they know who these are, and that becomes very interesting in itself because... Uh, I have seen it actually wrong that people have seen as far as the, their, uh, the definition of this, as far as I'm concerned, they're wrong. So, these characters, the woman, the male child, and the dragon, we're going to be looking at these main characters and playing out uh, what all this means in prophecy. The first four of them are the characters uh, we, we find here in this chapter 12. And then later we'll find some in chapter 13 and, and then some more in 14. But by the time we get through all these characters and have a whole scenario laid out around these characters, we're going to understand the satanic action and what's been happening during the Great Tribulation period. <clears throat> and we'll have a, a good idea of, of, of what is actually going to be happening after this. So now for the right now, I just want to introduce you to the first three. They're the ones that I've already read to you, the woman. First of all, let's meet the woman. Now, the woman is, uh, and I know that most people, and I have talked to so many people, they read this, and I ask them, who do you think that's describing when it says 
uh, there appeared a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she's with child and she cries out being in labor and give birth. And they say to me immediately, it must be Mother Mary. Well, I want to, I want to take a look at that because really in the book of Revelation, we have four different women that are mentioned here. And, and that becomes very interesting in itself. The first one is in chapter 2, verse 20. She's given a name. The woman is Jezebel. And she symbolizes paganism. Sinful, wicked paganism. She is a representative woman of all those who teach and people to commit adultery. The second woman that is mentioned is in chapter uh, 17 of Revelation. And it's a scarlet woman. A scarlet woman or a whore or a harlot. We'll see her later as the whore of Babylon, and she represents the apostate church. And that we'll, we'll take a look at that when we get there. A third woman appears in the book of Revelation. It's called the wife of the Lamb. She is representative of the church. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. So there's Jezebel, a woman who represents paganism. There's a scarlet woman who represents the apostate church. And there's the wife of the Lamb, the bride, who represents the true church. And then we have, excuse me, a fourth one, and this is the woman who represents something else. Well, what does she represent? Well, many would tell us that it represents Mother Mary. And there's a, uh, an interesting thing to look at here. Uh, when you look at this and you see this, you say, well, could this actually be Mother Mary? Uh, this fourth woman of the symbolic woman, uh, is in the Catholic interpretation of this passage, this woman is Mary. And you will see Mary sometimes depicted in in art, and especially in, in, in Catholic stores, sometimes you'll have art rendering of this, uh, uh, pictures on the wall, clothed, Mary will be clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head, it's kind of like a little row of 12 stars, and I want to tell you right now, this cannot be Mary. In fact, this is not Mary when you look at this. I know people want to make it Mary, and they want to glorify Mary, but this is not Mary's. Uh, other have, have others said that this is the church. This is not the church. The church is one who brings forth the child. This cannot refer to the church. The church is never in the New Testament called a woman. The church is never a wife. The church is never pregnant. The church never gives birth to anything. The church is always viewed as a bride waiting to get married. That's what we find in the New Testament. The marriage supper of the Lamb doesn't occur until the 19th chapter of Revelation when we get to heaven. We are the chosen bride. We are betrothed. We are to be a, a chaste virgin. We are not a pregnant wife. And that's important to understand who these characters are because in understanding these characters, we understand what is happening in Revelation 12, Revelation 13, and Revelation 14. And then by understanding that, we're able to piece it together with Revelation 11 and 15 and 16. It just kind of flows. So this is not the church. This is not Mary. The Roman Catholic sees Mary here. Tra uh, traditional covenant reform theology sees the church here. Neither one of those is even possible. We are, as a church, a chaste virgin, a bride waiting for the marriage that hasn't yet happened. There is 
one and only one real possibility, and that's what I want to look at. There is only one answer to who this woman is, and that is the nation Israel. I want to say it again. The woman is Israel. So you can you can bank on that or mark that, that this woman, when it says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, is referring to the nation of Israel. So, uh, it is very important to understand this. Uh, Israel is often called the wife of God, sometimes a widow, even a divorced woman, according to Hosea You'll find the same is true in Isaiah 47, in Isaiah chapter 50. Israel is depicted as disloyal, unfaithful, adulterous wife who finally in the end will become faithful. But as of yet, in in where we are in history right now, that has not happened. It will happen in the book of Revelation toward the end of the time, but even in Revelation right now, it has not happened. Israel, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, is called the wife of God. This has to be Israel. And we know that the Messiah came out of Israel. We also know we're in the book of Revelation. We're getting close to, uh, in chronology-wise, the time when the Messiah comes to establish his kingdom. It's not surprising, then, that Israel is being referred to. The salvation of Israel, according to what Paul says in Romans, all Israel shall be saved, is very near in the book of Revelation. The promised kingdom of Israel is near. Israel is becoming the focal point again in God's redemptive plan because the Messiah will come and establish his kingdom. Remember now, that's why we have the tribulation period. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called uh, the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, because it is God once again picking up the redemptive timetable and beginning it to move it according to his redemption and his plan for Israel. It's not for the church. Some people say the tribulation period is for the church. It can't be for the church. The church has already been taken out. And so when you realize this and you begin to understand who this is talking about, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. Now let me give you another couple of little little things here. And I know I'm going to run out of time fast. Uh, So I may not give you much, but it is an introduction and we can understand the introduction. But the woman here... Uh, we see, is the nation of Israel. I wanted to get that out first. I want to make sure we cover that. But then also notice here that the very first few words, and a great sign appeared. Great is found several times here. The word great you'll see in chapter 12, verse 1. You'll find the word great in verse 3, again in verse 12, and you see it in verse 14. Great means mega or, or huge in size and significance. Everything John sees in this particular vision seems to be massive. The word here is megas, and it's a, it's, it's a mega vision, big vision. Everything seems to be huge in size and significance. And the first thing he sees that is great is a great sign, which appeared in heaven. By the way, the word sign, we have to look at the word sign and understand that. So really, if we can understand today that the woman here is a sign And what that sign is, is it is pointing to the nation of Israel. And it is a huge signal and a symbol for that. Man, we've already seen a lot in this. And you have, you've already are seeing right now, just with these three things, the woman, the, the, the word great, and the word sign, if you can understand those three, 
you have a great head start on understanding all of chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, and then even 15 of the book of Revelation. Much more than many people do. They don't see this. But the great sign appeared in heaven. By the way, the word sign demands our attention. It's the first of seven signs in the last half of the book of Revelation. Now, a sign means something is occurring that points to something else. I don't, I don't know how else really to say that. A sign is a symbol of another reality. I think you understand that. Uh, I like one illustration that uh, one, one person gives here. It says, if you're driving your car and you see a sign and it says, welcome, like I just got back from a trip, welcome to North Carolina. I just went through North Carolina uh, all, in, all, all the way into Charleston, South Carolina. A beautiful state. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, But if I'm in a car and I see this sign that says, Welcome to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. The sign is a symbol of the reality of the state. When you see the sign in prophetic literature, it's something symbolic of a reality. And I just want you to remind you that uh, where you have the explicit statement of Scripture, there is a sign. You have a good reminder of the normal interpretation of Scripture being literal. In other words, the, the Scripture is going to tell you what it is. Uh, where it is a sign, the Spirit of God generally tells us it is a sign. The book of Revelation generally will tell us that it is a sign. And so we look at this and we begin to realize it is actually another way to look at this is it is a symbol of something. So when we see this like this, it is stated, so here is a sign, meaning a symbol pointing to some other reality. So when you see a woman appearing in heaven, the woman is not to illustrate a literal woman. In other words, when John says here, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, there's not a literal woman there. This is a symbol pointing to some reality. When you see the woman appearing in heaven, the woman is not to illustrate a literal woman, but is symbolic of some other reality. Now, this great sign appeared in heaven. John appears to be on the earth in this scene, although we can't, I can't be you know, absolutely certain of that, but it just seems to be that we, we are drawn into this and we, we've, we can see this happening. It's, it's like John is looking up to heaven and the events are taking place will eventually, of course, take place on earth. But John looks up to see a symbolic representation. What does he see? A woman. Now, I need to also add that this is just a symbolic thing. And, of course, we've mentioned other women in the book of Revelation. But she represents, this woman that he sees represents Israel. Israel is depicted with depicted frequently as the wife of God, which we've already mentioned. And when the church is spoken of in feminine terms, the church is always called a bride. Now, we're very much aware of this fact that this is Israel when we begin to take a look at the scriptures. Now, it doesn't surprise us to see Israel as the main player, are we? In this first scenario, not at all. We're not surprised because we know the 70th week of Daniel is going to relate to Israel, just like the first 69 did of Daniel chapter 9. We know that all the 70 weeks refer to Israel. We are in the gap period, or that, that, that brief period where God is not redemptively dealing with Israel, and he's dealing with the church. The church will be taken out of the way, and then the tribulation period will start, and then that 
prophetic clock again of Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, starts to tick. So we're very much aware of the fact that God has made this promise to Israel to bring them a kingdom. And this kingdom is on its way. Paul says there's coming a day when all Israel will be saved and the kingdom is promised. And that, let me tell you something. If God promised the kingdom, it is going to come. If God promised the kingdom to Israel and says Israel will be restored and Israel will be saved, then you can bet Israel will be saved and there will be a kingdom. So the Bible tells us clearly that Israel as a nation, as a people, is very much a main player in the end-time drama known as the Great Tribulation Period. Salvation of Israel and her promised kingdom is, we're rapidly coming to it. In fact, according to Revelation chapter 11, the kingdom is so close because it says he has begun to rule in verse 15 of chapter 11. And so, really, chapter 12 begins to explain this. The seventh trumpet is the last trumpet. The events of the seventh trumpet and the seven bowl judgments, which are poured out very rapidly, we're within weeks of the end of the tribulation period when we get to this point. The return of Christ is going to be coming quickly and the establishment of his kingdom shortly thereafter. It is the most at most only a few months away when we get to this point of chapter 11 and now chapter 12 we're looking back and so we're not surprised to see the woman Israel coming into play here is the anticipation of this uh, national salvation to Israel and the kingdom starts to come into reality God's plan throughout all redemptive history has at, at the very heartbeat of it the nation of Israel and we know this there's any nation on the face of the earth that Satan would love to destroy, who you think it would be? Well, I think it would be Israel. And I think this is right, and I think this is what we're seeing here. So look at what it says in verse 1. The great sign appeared in heaven, a woman, nation, or Israel, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she cried out with child, and she uh, cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. This is Israel wanting to give birth to the Messiah. And so we see Israel. We're not surprised. But here is the woman, and she's dressed. I want you to notice I'm a, I really don't have time to get into the dress. So I, I think I'm going to save that. Uh, and again, I told you, we, there's just not a lot of time. I could actually take this, and we could teach through it. Uh, it would take all of the rest of this day, it would take several hours to cover, really thoroughly cover, verses 1 through 6, and then even much longer to cover 7 through 12. But we're going to get it. We're going to cover it. We're going to go through it. This woman and how she is dressed uh, is going to become more and more vivid to us that it really is the, the nation of Israel, and we're going to see that with very clear emphasis listed here. So, for now, this is William Rogers. I thank you so much for coming back and listening to this. If you, uh, if this tweaks any interest at all, go back and listen to some of the other passages. Uh, and I think you'll find Revelation is a great study. It doesn't really matter. If someone's teaching the Word and they're teaching it accurately, I think you'll love the teaching. I hope you will enjoy this teaching and, and follow it along. And uh, next time, we'll take a look at the other characters. We'll take a look at the child, and we'll take a look at that dragon. 
And why is he red? Why is it called a dragon? And what does that significance mean to the book of Revelation? So, thank you for joining us today, and we will talk to you or teach you next time. Thank you.